If you brought a Bible, go please with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 14 of the book of Leviticus this morning. I want to read a portion of scripture that we don't read very often. In fact, I probably wouldn't have much of an occasion to read this passage except in a circumstance such as the one the world finds itself in today. But I want to read it to you because I want you to understand that what we're going through today is not new. And it's not permanent. And God has foreseen these things from the beginning. He's in control. But I want you just to see how he dealt with Israel so that you and I can deal the same way. So we can act and live in the way that the nation of Israel was taught to live. Leviticus chapter 14 verse 34. When the Lord, pardon, when you enter the land of Canaan which I give to you for a possession. And I put a mark of leprosy, that really a better word would be there, it would be mold. When you find mold in your house, you shall come and tell the priest, saying, there is something like mold that has become visible to me in the house. Verse 36. The priest shall then command that they empty the house before the priest goes in to look at the mold, so that everything in the house need not become unclean. And afterward, the, the priest shall go in to look at the house. Verse 38. Then the priest shall come out of the house to the doorway and quarantine the house for seven days. That sound familiar? Verse 41. And he shall, and, and he shall have the house scraped all around inside, and they shall dump the plaster as they have scraped it off at an unclean place outside the city. And then they will take other stones and replace those stones, and he shall take other plaster and replaster the house. And then we go down a few verses more, and we read in verse 48, if on the other hand the priest comes and makes an inspection and the mold has not indeed spread to the house after the house has been replastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because of the mark. To cleanse the house, then he shall take two birds and cedar wood and a scarlet string and hyssop. He shall slaughter the one bird in an earthenware vessel under running water. And he shall take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet and the living bird and dip them in the blood of the slain bird and in the running water. And he shall thus clean the house with the blood of the bird and with the running water along with the living bird and with the cedar wood and with the hyssop and with the scarlet string. However, he shall let the live bird go outside of the city into the open field. And so shall he make atonement for the house, and it will be clean. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the presence of the Holy Spirit among us. We thank you that indeed we do have peace. And our heart can say, it is well with my soul. I pray this morning as we come to your word, which is unalterable, that you would speak to us. 
and that you would speak to our nation all throughout uh, this day. That our hearts would be turned to you and to the truth of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I read to you a chapter of the por a portion of scripture that comes out of the book of Leviticus. Leviticus was basically the priest's manual in the ancient uh, nation of Israel. It was their book that instructed them how to handle uh, every type of case in the spiritual and natural life of the nation of Israel. God told the nation of Israel what they could eat, what they could not eat, what to wear, what not to wear. He told them uh, who to marry, who not to marry. He gave them strict instructions concerning worship, concerning prayer, how they were to approach him. And this is what we call the law of Moses. You and I today are not under the law of Moses, uh, but we are under the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say amen, somebody. The Lord Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, and by shedding his blood, he fulfilled all of the requirements of the law of Moses. He therefore uh, has fulfilled for you and for me the requirements of righteousness required by God so that you and I are saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive by grace as the unmerited gift of God the forgiveness of our sins and the righteousness of Jesus. That is the message of the Bible. And so when you read the book of Leviticus today, it's not necessarily so that you can uh, decide uh, how to live because that has been fulfilled in Christ. But it is for us a picture of what Christ has accomplished as well as a good reminder of the way that God demands that his people should live. God still has a standard for how we live. Somebody say amen. I want you to notice with me a few things. First of all, in verse 34 of this chapter, he says, When you enter the, the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and I put a mark of leprosy on the house, or you find mold in the, in the house, these are the things that you are supposed to do. Now, that word leprosy in uh, that context in the Hebrew is the word plague. And so God says, you're going to go into the land of Canaan. And this is the land that I have promised to you. It's the land that I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them. And I'm going to give it to you. But this is a pagan land. A land that doesn't know Yahweh, that doesn't fear God. And because it's a pagan land, and because it is a land full of uh, brokenness, you are going to see plagues along the way. You're going to run in to challenges as you journey through the land. Here's what I want you to understand. God was telling Israel that when you get into the promised land, there are going to be plagues. You're going to run into stuff that you don't want to run into. There are going to be uh, moments of crisis uh, that you're going to have to face. And this is nothing new. The Bible said, Solomon said, there is nothing new under the sun. There have been plagues all throughout world history since the fall of Adam and Eve. 
God created the world in perfection. Adam and Eve sinned. Sin came into the world and death through sin. And this is going to be the case until Jesus comes back. What am I telling you this morning? When you hear on the news about the coronavirus and you hear the panic and fear that is associated with it, you and I need to remember, stay calm. This is nothing new. God has already told us that we're going to journey through this broken world. And so long as we're in a broken world, we're going to run into broken things. Do you understand me this morning? Do you hear then God saying, I know what you're going to run into. I already have seen it ahead of you. I've already foretold uh, this to you so that you will understand and not enter into fear. Now, I want you to remember, if you can, the first two sermons I preached the beginning of this year. You said, Pastor, I can hardly remember the sermon you preached last week. Uh, you want me to remember the first two sermons you preached beginning of this year? Well, I'm going to remind you what they were because I want you to see how God was preparing us. He taught us uh, in those first two sermons about the story of two families. And we learned about Abraham and we learned about a lot. And we saw that in, the, in, in chapter 18 of Genesis, God blessed Abraham. And in chapter 19, he judged Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know what the Lord was telling us then and what he's reminding us of this morning? That he can bless his people in the midst of crisis. That he can bless his people while all the world around us is falling apart. Say amen, somebody. Listen, uh, you and I have our confidence, our dependence, not in the stock market, but in God. Not in the CDC, but in God. And you and I must keep our trust and our confidence in God because he can bless us with one hand while dealing with the world on the other hand. So you and I don't have to panic. He's already gone ahead of us and told us you are going to run in to broken things along the way. So don't panic. Don't lose your head and don't lose your cool. This is part of living in a fallen world. Now, I want you just to do a little survey with me real quick because I'm going to just show you how, how often these types of things happen in our lives. Now, I believe I'm relatively young, 38 years old. Somebody say amen. So that's pretty young, right? But I want you to see how many crises there have been just in my lifetime. All right? When I was two months old, there was a great degree of flooding in the state of Texas, it claimed several lives. By the age of four months, there was a hurricane named Norma that killed several more people right here in the state of Texas. The devil was trying to kill your pastor right from the beginning. No, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that right, right from the beginning of my life, I was born in a broken world. You understand what I'm saying? Now, just in my adult life, I have seen... Uh, Hurricane Claudia, Y2K, you guys remember Y2K? 9-11, the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, Syrian bombings, tsunamis, volcano ash that covered all of Europe, canceled flights uh, for lots of people. We saw Katrina, Rita, Ike, remember Hurricane Isaac dissolved in the Gulf of Mexico? Praise God for that, I was praying about that one. We saw Hurricane Harvey, Hit our region pretty strong. We're still recovering in a lot of ways. We've seen viruses like SARS, uh, diseases like Ebola. We even have computer viruses now and cell phone viruses. And now we have the coronavirus. And that's just in 38 years. Listen, these things have been happening from the fall of man. 
And they're going to keep happening until Jesus returns. So what do, you think I, uh, what, uh, what do you think I should do about it, Pastor? Well, I want you to do two things. I want you to put your faith in God. And understand this, that no matter what can come into this world, you are under the protective hand of the Almighty God. Sam and somebody. And number two, I want you to put your hope in a good future because Jesus is coming back and he's going to reign upon the earth and these types of things are going to go on until he comes, but then they're going to be done away with. Say amen, somebody. Jesus is coming back and we're going to see these things more and more frequently until he comes. So don't panic. Don't fear. Trust God. When I was an intern in Washington, D.C., uh, the nation was going into war in Iraq, and um, my desk was the first desk in the majority leader's office, so anybody that walked in, I met, and I got to meet ambassadors and, and really influential people, and one day, the doors open, and a man in a uniform brings in a duffel bag, uh, and he sets it on my desk, and he said, these are gas masks. In the event of an attack, make sure everyone in your office gets one, and don't panic. Say, yeah, right, dude. You didn't even give me a warning. What do you mean don't panic? And, you know, that's the same thing that's going on right now. There's a panic in our world. There's a fear in our world. You go to H-E-B, can't even buy water. And you and I have to realize we have to live above the panic. We have to live above the fear. Why? Because we have a truth that is superior to the truth by which the world lives. We live by the enduring word of God. Say amen, somebody. Now, I'll remind you what Job said. He said, everything I feared came upon me. Fear opens a door, but faith will shut the door. So get into faith this morning. Get into faith and stay in faith, because while you go into the promised land, you're going to run into these things. They're not new. And God knew about them before they arrived. And then he gave Moses strategies for how to confront these things. And so here we have a case in which God says when you go into your house and you start seeing mold growing in your house, you see a plague growing in your house, then here's what I want you to do. First thing you are to do is call the priest. Now in that day, the priest was the only way to meet with God. You prayed through the priest. Today, we don't pray through the priest uh, we, or the pastor. We pray through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's our priest today. So what is God saying? When you find a plague in your house, when you find a plague in your nation, when you find a plague in the world, step one, pray. Go to God in prayer. Everyone say pray. This is the first step in order to be able to confront any crisis in your life, including the one we're experiencing today, is we must become and always be a people of prayer. Get God involved in the situation early and often. I was very concerned, as I shared with some pastors, our plans uh, as pastors for our denomination regarding this virus. And as I shared with them, I said, uh, gentlemen, I'm concerned that our national leaders have not called us to prayer. Thank God that finally our national leaders have called the nation to prayer. Why? Because that's where the answer is. That's where the turnaround begins. The hope for America is in a praying 
people. It is in a people that understand that God is bigger than the virus, that God is bigger than fear, and that God still answers prayer. Say amen, somebody. What does the Bible say? Second Chronicles 7.14. You can quote it from memory, no doubt. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now look at who he's talking to. He says, if who? My people. He doesn't say if the pagans pray. He doesn't say if the unconverted pray. He doesn't say if the political parties pray. He says if my people, say my people. That means that all America needs for a turnaround is for God's people to pray. Say amen, somebody. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Say amen, somebody. You and I have that kind of influence in every situation in our life. And this is what God says. He says, I'll do two, three, three things. He says, I will hear. God's listening today. I said, God's listening today. He says, I will hear and I will forgive. If you'll repent, I'll forgive you. If America will repent, God will forgive her. And he says, and I will heal. We need healing today. And God says, you pray to me, I'll heal you. And he'll heal you not just from coronavirus, but he'll heal you from anything else in your life. He'll heal your broken heart. He'll heal your shattered and tattered emotions. He'll heal your sick body. Say amen, somebody. This is the promise of God. In 1944, June of 1944, we know it today as the D-Day invasion. The Allied forces had decided to invade France. Hitler and his uh, Nazi army and uh, the German army had taken over all of Europe. There was in the world a great sense of panic and fear. And before the attack, now the, 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 the invasion had been moved several times because the weather was not conducive to a, an invasion. This was going to be a, an invasion by water and by air. And so there needed to be the right kind of weather for that kind of invasion. But the, the weather wasn't holding up. And so the chaplain or the general of the Allied forces called the chaplain and he said, I want you to write a prayer. And I want you to put it on a card and distribute it throughout all of the army. I want everybody praying the same prayer. He said, I want a prayer that will change the weather. Uh, no small order right there. And then the night of the invasion, the president of the United States, President Roosevelt, went on the radio. And he didn't ask America to pray. He himself prayed. And he led the nation in prayer. And I can just imagine uh, what is going on uh, in the spiritual world when the army is praying and the nation is praying and the leadership is praying. Well, we know from history that the weather became clear enough just at the right time so that the invasion could take place. And the Allied forces landed in the beaches of France and they were able eventually to push back Nazi power and to destroy that wickedness from the face of the earth. Why? Because somebody decided to pray. Come on, somebody. If God's people will pray, God will answer. God has heard America before. And God will hear America again. 
There was a plague that came on the nation of Israel. 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 25. And the Bible says that David built an altar before the Lord and he offered a burnt sacrifice and a peace offering. And the Lord was moved by prayer. I want you to say that with me. The Lord was moved by prayer. What is it that moves God? You're not going to move God with panic. You're not going to move God with worry. You're not going to move God with unbelief. The only thing that moves the hand of God is faith. And people of faith pray. God was moved by prayer for the land. And the plague was held back. That is the promise of God for America and for the nations of the world. He says, go to the priest. I assure you this morning, God's message has not changed. Today, God is telling you, pray. Go to Jesus. Go to the author of our faith. Go to the supreme and high priest of our confession. He's the one that has the answer that you need today, now, and forever. Come on, somebody. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Go to him. And then he says to them, now, when the priest comes, he's going to do a few things. Number one, he's going to quarantine the house. And then you're going to take the stones, because these are stone houses. You're going to take the stones that are infected out of the house, and you're going to scrape them down, and you're going to, or, or you're going to stack them outside of the camp in a place that is remote and unclean so that they don't infect anyone else or any other house. Now we're beginning to see that 4,000 years ago, God was giving the nation of Israel the ability to prevent the spread of disease in their homes. That God was saying, I'm going to give you the power of prayer, but I'm also going to give you wisdom so that you can prevent the spread of these things in your home. Say amen, somebody. You see, today, you and I are hearing the wisdom of the uh, medical community, the wisdom of our government telling us how to protect ourselves and our neighbor from the spread of this virus. And thankfully, it hasn't come uh, to Beeville in, in so far as we know. But you and I want to be wise in the conduct of our life. We don't want to operate in fear, but we do want to operate in wisdom. And the Bible says that they were to do these things. Now, what I want you to notice from this is that this is 4,000 years ago. Do you know how old germ theory is? Germ theory, that means that the understanding of the, of the, uh, the existence of germs and pathogens that carry disease or that are disease, bacteria and so forth, is only 300 years old. That means that science has only been able to tell us about germs for the last 300 years. And really, up until 150 years ago, uh, they, they really didn't know that germs were the carriers or, or were the disease. They thought that they were the product of disease. So we're really latecomers to this. God was teaching Israel how to disinfect their house 4,000 years ago. Can I tell you, God's way ahead of the curve. Say amen, somebody. 
And you need, to, you need to know this this morning so that you can have confidence that before the, the, before the virus even showed up in the world, God had already sent his word. He had already sent wisdom and understanding. And today you and I are standing under the assurance that if we will obey the, the preventative measures that are given to us by God and by those in authority, that we can greatly assist in preventing the spread of this virus. Now listen, there is a possibility that nothing ultimately can prevent the spread of this virus, but you and I can be wise. And here's what we're, gonna, what we're doing here at Kingsway Church. Number one, our housekeeping staff is making sure that we do everything we can that's been recommended by the Center for Disease Control to prevent the spread of this virus. Were it to come to Beville, we're going to do everything we can to stop it here at Kingsway Church. We want you to know you can come and worship God in freedom and that you can worship God in peace. Amen, somebody. Number two, we're going to keep having church. Say amen, somebody. We're going to keep having church until the authorities say we shouldn't. Listen, we're going to have church till the authorities say we shouldn't. And if we can't gather together, I want to see you online. Are you with me this morning? I don't want you to backslide because of the coronavirus. Say amen, somebody. I don't want you catching a spiritual cold and then uh, you get into worse shape. And so you need to stay close to the house of God, close to the house of prayer, because this is where blessing begins. Number three, we need to take care of our elderly and um, senior saints, all right? They are the ones most likely to be affected by this virus. So if, if grandma and grandpa don't have to go to the grocery store, you go for them. All right, say amen, somebody. And if there's a need in the community or in the church for us to help and assist in that, uh, we will. Because we want to make sure that we take every step we can in wisdom to, to prevent the spread of this virus to our community. But here's the bottom line. If the, if the preventatives don't work, prayer works. Now, God gave Moses one last thing. And this is the thing that reigns over all of it. He says, tell the priest to take the blood and cover the house. Now, here's where you and I begin to understand that there is a, a spiritual power at work in our life. I want you to notice something here. God says, when there's a, a mold or a plague in your house, I want you to give a sacrifice. I want you to make a sacrifice. Now, everybody knows that when there is a crisis, uh, uh, a hurricane or a, a situation like we're in now where the economy starts getting a little, a little funny and, and uh, jobs or, uh, or, or pay becomes a little scarce, that it's a little harder to come by the needs that you would need to buy a bull or a lamb uh, because crisis produces a financial tension. But God says, bring a bird instead. He's, he's giving them an opportunity to get under the blood without having to invest a great uh, degree of their emergency fund, as it were. And so he says, bring a bird, and the blood of that bird is going to be put on the house, and this will bring atonement for the house. This, the word atonement means covering. The house will be covered by blood. What is this talking about? This is talking about the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is saying to us this morning, as he says to every generation, 
when you get into trouble, plead the blood. When you get into trouble, get under the covering of the blood. Say amen, somebody. You and I have been given the promise of God, and that promise is this. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The blood of Jesus is a spiritual reality that is at work in the world today. And I want you to understand what the Bible says concerning the blood of Jesus. Because the more you and I can understand the power of the blood, the more you and I can walk in peace. First of all, uh, Ephesians 1.7 says that we have been redeemed through the blood of the Lamb. Redemption means to purchase. We were slaves and God sent Jesus to the cross. And the blood of Jesus bought our freedom. The blood of Jesus bought our deliverance. And so a nation of slaves became free. Say amen, somebody. Because you and I have been redeemed. We've been purchased. You don't have to be a slave to fear. And you don't have to be a slave to sin. Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're under the blood, you're free. Number two, we read about uh, in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19, the Bible says that having boldness, we enter into the holy of holies through the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus gives us access to God. You can't get access to God except through the blood of Jesus. That's why when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. Because his name and his blood has guaranteed us access to the throne room of the living God. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? That's why our prayers are effective. Because the blood of Jesus is our access. The Bible calls it the new and the living way. And in this air, in this in this moment of national crisis and world alarm, you and I need to continue in fellowship with God, and that remains as we understand that I'm under the blood of Jesus, and I can enter into the throne of grace with confidence and knowing God's not going to reject me when I pray. Then we read in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5: By his stripes we are healed. The blood of Jesus has guaranteed us our healing. You and I can expect healing in the name of Jesus because the blood of Jesus has purchased our healing. Listen, the blood of Jesus has purchased your healing from physical disease. It's also purchased your healing from emotional disease. It's purchased your healing from uh, heart disease and spiritual disease. And this morning, you and I have a great confidence. We have a doctor who has the solution for what you need. And his blood still sets men free. Can I tell you a quick story? I was a missionary in the Amazon. And we went to a village called Dieciseis de Mayo. That village... We, we visited every home in the village, and every home where there was an infant child, the child was running a high fever. And we committed to pray over that village. I told the team, we're going to come out into the middle of the village. They had a, a soccer field, beautiful green soccer field. And I said, we're going to come out in the middle of the village every day, every hour on the hour. 
And we're going to pray for this thing to stop. And every hour on the hour, in the middle of the night even, we'd go out there and we would pray. And the first thing we would do, we would say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus over this village. And we ask you to remove this sickness from these children. Satan was trying to destroy an entire generation of babies. We lay claim to healing in Jesus' name. Now, you can imagine how desperate this would be because in the Amazon, the hospital is a boat. And when you get sick, you better hope the boat is near where you live. Because the boat could be 50 hours away. How are you going to get there? The answer had to come through prayer. We began to pray. We prayed every hour on the hour. We plead the blood of Jesus. At the end of the week, we're preparing to leave that community. We went through every house in that community, and every mother said the same thing. A few days ago, the fever began to break, and my child has been healthy and whole ever since. Can I tell you, friend, there is power in the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. There is power in the blood of Jesus. So if you go around like the world saying, I can't get a test. I can't get a test. Come down and plead the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. By his stripes, we are healed. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. God sent a plague on the nation of Egypt. And then he sent a judgment so severe that it took, it claimed the life of every firstborn in the house. Whether you were a grandpa or a, or a, grand, a, a father or a son, and it claimed the firstborn of the cattle, of the donkeys, of the rams, of the lambs, firstborn of every house died. There were funerals probably multiple funerals in every Egyptian home. Now that's real, a real problem. But not in Israel. Say amen, somebody. Why not in Israel? Because the night of the Passover, God said, take a lamb, shed its blood, and put the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost of your home. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Listen, friends. That blood was a sign that, so, that said to the angel of death, you can't stop here. Death has already been here. This house is under the blood. Can I just tell you this morning? You and I are under the blood of Jesus. Death has already been here. We declare it by faith in Jesus' name. That we are under the covering of the almighty God. For he that dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my shield and my bulwark, my God, in him shall I trust. If you don't know Jesus this morning, if you haven't applied his blood to your heart by faith. This morning, I, I challenge you, I encourage you, run to Jesus. Go to the priest. Let his blood wash you clean. 
Wash away your past, your shame, your guilt, your anxieties, and your fears so that you can serve God with freedom and know that there is hope for you today and hope for you in eternity. Come on, somebody. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has shed his blood for you. And his blood still protects. His blood still heals. His blood still grants access. And his blood still redeems.